it's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show. And, um, you know, I have a variety of guests that reappear after a while because I think their messages are just so incredible. And so I have Kathleen Davis back with me today, and we're going to be talking about her newest book. But before I get started, I want to remind everyone that all of the shows are archived on SynergyConnectionRadio.com. And there's over 400 shows there now. There's also a place that you can click on called Boomer Products or Boomers Forever Young. And these are products I've been using for over seven years now. Uh, They're nutritional products. I believe they have kept me incredibly healthy over the years. And I've mentioned on recent shows that on November 14th, I fell at the Tampa International Airport and fractured my left shoulder. So I know these products have made a huge difference in my ability to get back on my feet so quickly. Um, Also, um, if you are in their website and there's something there that you feel like, hmm, I would like to try that particular product. If you just click on the link that is with the podcast, if you're coming in that way, uh, it'll take you directly in there and you're going to get 15% off of your order. And depending on what you're ordering, that can be a nice little amount for you. So be sure to check out the Boomer website and uh, their amazing products. Um, I um, also want to mention that the reason I've done this show over all these years now is not only to bring you incredible guests, but also to help you understand the complexity of who we are as human beings, because we have a spiritual side that connects us with a higher power. We certainly have our physical side, and if you don't have good physical health, it's pretty hard to make the other things happen. We have an emotional side that everybody is very familiar with, and we have a mental or intellectual side. And I do hope people are constantly growing throughout their entire lifetimes. And, you know, for me, I hope that I'm still learning something right at the moment of my death. You know, maybe it's going to be the aha moment of now I get it. Now I understand why we do the things we do in this physical body. And I have mentioned on more than one occasion that we are simply vibrational frequencies that are inside of a physical body. So when our lives end, it doesn't mean that we end in my mind. It means that we just are on a different frequency and we're moving into a realm that we don't understand very well at this moment in time. So I know that's not what Kathleen's book is about, but um, I do know that what she has written about has a lot to do with those frequencies. And that sometimes when we're in a negative state of mind or a fearful state of mind, as um, I think her first book was on uh, monsters under the bed and in the closet. And so, you know, that uh, fear uh, can create all kinds of nasty things inside of us. And I tell my counseling clients that I work with that fear is just false evidence appearing real. It's not real. And when you address the fear, the fear goes away. It's kind of like poof and it's gone. So uh, welcome back to the show, Kathleen. Yeah, I said, thank you for having me, Lucy. Nice to see you and and hear hear from you. Um, so we're going to be talking about your newest book. And um, I know you you know were once upon a time an elementary school teacher. 
And I think a lot of um, the reason that you wanted to write, if I remember correctly, was because of the fact that uh, you got so much satisfaction out of your reading time with the kids and saw how it was meaningful to them. So your first couple of books were based on your children. I think this one you said is as well. So why don't you share, you know, what this particular book is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So yes, my first two books, all of my writing is essentially, I think as, as every writer out there, you know, it comes from a problem they're having or a big things that are occurring in their life. Good stuff, bad stuff, funny stuff, whatever it is. So yeah, my other two you know, my kids are my life. My kids are my lifeblood. So it was all about them. Um, and those are picture books. And this, my son is now in third grade. His name is Dean and nothing has changed. My life is just about them. And uh, he, we were having a problem for, we still are, that <laughs> he just doesn't, he just doesn't really enjoy going to school. He um, argues with us and just wishes he could be an adult and make his own decisions and doesn't understand why he has to listen to us when we tell him to do things, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the life of a parent. And um, also, I write books to help my children. I write them for all children, but I also write them to help my children with the problems and the things that are happening in their life. And so I thought, well, shoot, I have written two other books to either help my children or to encourage my children. I'm going to write my first chapter book for my third grader to help him and other kids maybe understand and start to realize that the grass isn't always greener. Um, morals of gratitude, morals of hard work. Um, so that's what this one's about. It's called Dean's Magical Mix-Up. And I also wrote it um, because I was a teacher. I, I specifically taught a lot of third grade. So I, I wrote it for third grade standards, really, with third grade vocabulary. It has a glossary in the back. Um, it has full color illustrations to really keep their attention. But it is about a little boy who does not like going to school, argues with his mother about it, and has a very terrible day, ends up at the end of the day stealing his the principal's pin. He finds it on the floor, makes a bad choice. Another moral that it's a big, big moral in this book is, you know, making good choices and being honest. Right. Um, steals the pin, goes to bed that night wishing he was an adult and wakes up the next day and he is the principal of the school. And it is all about his day and his journey towards learning that life is difficult for adults. And, um, and yeah, it was super fun to write. I really loved it. It was, it, it has been a great thing and I'm hoping that it will be a sequel. I've kind of set it up that, you know, it will, it lends itself to, him switching into other uh, roles. Oh, well, I would think, I mean, you know, maybe the next one will be when he hits middle school. Yeah. Well, and, you know, our, our big issue is now we're having a lot of like sister brother tension. Oh. And so I might, it might be Dean's magical mix up the sister swap or the sibling swap is what I'm actually toying with because uh, whew, these brother and sister dynamic is something. How, and how old is he in third grade? He's what, nine or 10? He is eight. And then I have a daughter. My middle daughter is in kindergarten and that's who he's constantly at battle with. And and she is six. She's an older kindergartner. And then we have a two-year-old baby. He would, he, they're not arguing. Nope. They only, they fight over the baby, but 
not with the baby. So mostly who's going to get to do what with the baby? Yeah. Or I didn't get to hug her and you always hug her. Whenever I get in there, you squeeze, you know, that kind of stuff, jealousy stuff. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, um, I, I would love to make it a sequel. I love that um, it's a book that my kids can learn from, other kids can learn from. And I liked, I really like just being, I, as opposed to a picture book, I really enjoyed like just sitting down and writing mm-hmm. um, and being able to just kind of let loose. Whereas I'm writing my fourth book right now, which is a picture book, another picture book. Uh, it's actually, I'm not writing it. The like magnitude of every single word and the the power that each one holds, you have to really, you have to really pay attention to and focus on. And so um, being able to just be free and write with this one was, was fun. I bet it was. Um, I remember when I did my one and only book with the adventures of Miss Twigs and company. And, you know, it was representing um, the concepts of, you know, love, truth, wisdom, those kinds of concepts that the children kind of understand on a a very basic level. But it was also teaching them that your thoughts create your reality. And so if they were struggling with something and they were either fearful or angry or frustrated or something like that, more of a negative emotion, that they were attracting more of that into their life. And so they, you know, had to come to grips with, wow, you mean when I change my attitude, when I change my thoughts, I get a different result. And the mice are the ones that teach that to both adults and to children. Yeah, that is a lesson that uh, we need to get, we need to get your book because we, we, you know, that's just, that's a big part of life with us too. Hence wanting to write this book is just having that negative attitude towards anything that we don't want to do in life. And I think a lot of kids really struggle with that. They don't want to do those things. And then it just, it's like snowballs and gets worse and worse and worse. And so, yeah, we need to get that. Well, the uh, artist for, you know, the one that illustrated my book, he's actually the assistant art director at Universal Studios. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he's, he did a wonderful job. It took a little bit of time. I don't know who did your illustrations, but it took a little bit of time for him to understand what I was looking for because Universal has their own concept of children's art Uh and it was more cartoony. And um, my thinking was, no, these are real little, I mean, they were dressed in clothes. Um, They take little tiny crystal shards with them uh, because each color represents something that that person is learning. So the boy in the book is 11 years old and he's learning self-concept, you know, so the solar plexus is yellow as far as um, uh, color representation. And so they leave a yellow crystal for him. But there was a man in the early part of the book who they had worked with a few years earlier, whose wife had died. And um, he was angry over her death. It was during World War II and she just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so she was uh, accidentally killed. So he had all of this anger and uh, grief. And so his crystal was blue and they had left that for him to find. And so it's always representation of the lesson that we currently are learning in our life. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said earlier that um, I hope to be learning until the day that I die. Um 
it's a really great way to look at life and, and learning, as you said, like your emotional growth, learning in, in regards to everything, every part of your body mm -hmm. and your mind and your heart, all of it. Right. Absolutely. Right. And then I think, um, you know, for children, they, they understand love. I mean, like your kids were saying with the baby, well, I didn't get to hug her as much as you do. Mm -hmm. And so children really uh, gravitate towards those kinds of positive emotions, you know, love and hope and joy and happiness and play and all of that. But they get a fair sprinkling of the other emotions as they go to school, unfortunately, or as they begin to grow up and there's other expectations put on them that they're not doing whatever it is quite right. And so mm -hmm. there's these judgments that begin to come into play and they begin to judge themselves. And part of the reason that your son might be struggling, I don't know, but as a psychotherapist, I can kind of, I was in the schools as a psychotherapist. And part of the reason he might be struggling and not like it is someplace along the line, maybe he began to feel like he was being judged, his work or his something. And so every time he would go into a particular class, it would be a reminder that somehow he wasn't measuring up as much. And so nobody wants to be judged. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's all guess guesswork for me at this point, <laughs> you know, I think all parents, whenever there is turmoil and, and you just do the best you can as a parent to really just try to get beneath what they're able to express to you. Um, but a lot of times it's just a thousand piece puzzle and you only have the edges. And so, you know, you just have to keep trying to ask and pick and figure out what the issue is. And, you know, when he's 35 years old and in therapy, maybe he'll figure out the issue and then he can share it with me. We can, <laughs> then he can hate me then and it'll, it'll be fine. But <laughs> right. Right. Well, one of the cool things that I guess I could share with you again, I, I do this with my own clients. Um, and it might fit into your book, you know, along the way, your new book that you're going to do. Yeah. Um, and I tell people the biggest problem that most parents unfortunately have is that we get into teaching mode rather than listening mode. Mm -hmm. And so if parents or teachers or spouses can get into listening mode, it all, it changes everything. All the dynamics change. So you do that by five words. You begin your sentences with what, when, where, who, and how, which are journalistic questions. But it means that you're seeking information. You're not giving your thoughts. And so you can say, when did that become a good idea? And then you stop and you listen. Um, if they come back with, I don't know, then you can say, well, Let's look at that a little more carefully, you know, right. and, and go back into the exploration. What happened? You know, how did you arrive at that conclusion? But you ask these brief little questions and then you stop. And it's hard because teachers, you being one, I taught college, but teachers as a whole, we want to give information. Mm -hmm. And so we're always approaching it differently. Right. With our advice. Yeah. And so this time it's more, you know, hey, buddy, um, you know, I know you're struggling with whatever it might be. How did you decide that today you were going to do 
X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. Right. And you just stop and you listen and you just keep exploring and exploring until they, you know, your son, your daughter, but somebody arrives at the conclusion like, oh, now I see what, the reason I did it. Right. And yeah. then come with what would be the best thing to do next time. Right. Let them arrive at their solution. The next steps. Absolutely. Yeah. Great tips. Yeah, it works. It just works so well. And with husband and wives, again, I can't tell you the number of times that I have a male, you know, in the equation saying it doesn't do any good to talk because she won't listen or vice versa. And it's just because, you know, we're so busy with our point of view, our perspective, that we only come from there rather than trying to see it from the other person's point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is um, really what this book is really the theme of this book is really like putting my son in the principal's shoes, literally. To, so what does uh, he discover once he's a grown up, which he's already said he wants to be right. so that he can make his own decisions? What does he discover? Um. Well, in the book, you know, I think the, the biggest theme is gratitude um, gratitude for being present, gratitude for what you're currently experiencing, good, bad, and ugly, and just enjoying it, even if it's something you don't even like to do. Mm. I think the beginning, the first page, my dedication is um, to my husband and children. May you always find joy in the mundane, ordinary, and often difficult parts of living because life is hard. And, um, that's really, that really is the main theme of this book, that no matter what you're doing, you can see the negative and you can see the like, why well, I don't want to do this in every single thing you do, if that's what you're focusing on. But you can also do hard things and enjoy them also if you just change your perspective. Um, and so that is really the main theme. But he learns all sorts of things, you know, along the way. And uh, and it's it's a it's a fun little, you know, a fun short read that I really hope kids can learn from and you know my my son is a difficult hard-headed child he did not walk away reading this book and and have a changed life um <laughs> i wish but uh you know it is it's there and it's something that we revisit and we discuss and and it's the same themes that you know as i said they they apply to life and living uh -huh. i remember reading um are you familiar with the monk he's deceased now but his name was thick not han Say that again, Lucy, you cut out. Um, the, uh, the name of this particular person is deceased now, but his name was Thick Not Han. He was uh -huh. a monk. Did you ever hear of him? No, I haven't. Um, you might want to look him up because I think, you know, he will add to your understanding of where you're going with your stories. But one of the things that he has pointed out in many of his videos was even washing dishes which um, yeah. the monks did by hand, but even washing dishes, you would learn to be in the moment and the benefit and the beauty of washing a cup or washing a plate and yeah. you now drying it off. Uh, whereas a lot of times I think when people do mundane, as you said, you know, activities, you're not even paying attention. Yeah. You're just doing it because your mind is someplace else with what you're yeah. going to do next. Yep. And it really just transfers to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, especially nowadays with mm -hmm. electronics and cell phones and things like that. It really does just uh, 
and I think that is a part of my son and many other children is that they are always like fixated on that quick, fast TV, internet, things that just are a quick bout of joy and mm-hmm. and things that are longer and take longer, whether it's a fun thing like riding a bike or whether it's a difficult thing, it actually doesn't matter. I mean, my son gets frustrated in fun things too. Um, but I do think it's, it's, yeah, it's those like, it's that quick release of joy that they get from trying to, you know, get to the next thing and get to their internet and get to that, you know, get inundated with the TV and internet and all of that terrible stuff that we all know as parents, they shouldn't be getting too much of, but it's also really hard nowadays, especially when as adults, we're having to use our TV and internet and our phones a lot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I know you're significantly younger than I am at this point, but um, one of my favorite shows when I was, you know, like raising my son uh, was um, the, oh gosh, now the name went right out of my head, um, The Waltons. Uh-huh. And, you know, they'll have little shows that, that'll come back, you know, The Homecoming or something like that, which I watched not too long ago. It was a, like a Christmas special that was called The Homecoming, and it was how they all kind of got back together. But they, you know, they had the same challenges. Communication was still a challenge between family members and, you know, wanting what they could have uh, tomorrow, today, you know, not wanting to wait right. And get there, you know, age-wise or graduation-wise or getting married or anything else. You know, it was like, you know, I want it yesterday. And we're still that way today. But I agree that with the internet, with a lot of the video games, the short-term satisfaction is what they're looking for Uh long-term of, yes, I'm going to reach my goal. And so when a a third grader looks at graduating from high school, which is years in his future, Uh it looks like forever and ever and ever. And, you know, when can I drive? Well, not until you're 16. When can I vote? Not until you're 18. When am I going to go to college? Probably. Oh, my gosh. I feel like you're my son right now. (laughs) These are the conversations we have every single day. How much more school? Do I have to go to school every single day? When will I be done with school? When can I, and like you said, when can I have a car? When can I have a cell phone? When can I have a TV in my bedroom? Exactly. Exactly. They want to grow up so fast. And it's, it's a shame because there's so much to enjoy about the Uh moment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That is truly the point of this book. And hopefully this series will be to just look up and enjoy what you're doing, whatever it is you are doing. Just enjoy it. I mean, even if it's something as simple as I tell my kids this, I'm like, even if it's something as simple as noticing that you have two hands that work mm-hmm. and that there are people who don't have two hands that work or noticing that you can take a deep breath of air and you're able to breathe fresh air or noticing that you can walk on your two legs and you're healthy and your body is strong enough to hold you. Just even the simple, basic things, you can find something to be grateful for instead of focusing on the yeah exactly did you ever um there's a children's song and i don't even know that they sing it anymore but it was called inchworm so do you uh, remember i don't know hearing about the inchworm Mm-mm. 
Um, some of the first words are inchworm, inchworm, measuring a miracle. Um, you know, so anyways, it they're tiny, tiny, little, tiny worms. And I, I, we have them down here in Florida. So I would assume you'd have them as the weather warms up in your yeah, area. Kind of like, yes, skirt. exactly. Yeah. If you can find one of those for your kids, you know, maybe not take it out of its environment, but just show them the inchworm moving along. They don't go very fast. You know, they just are moving very, very, very slowly. Um, and that's why it's measuring a miracle. You know, that you know, you look at this little tiny worm and where it's going to go and how it's going to live. And you could build, you know, like a pretend story with your son. Like, what do you think is going to happen to that little worm? And, you know, what's important to it? And what could you do to, you know, maybe be more like the inchworm and taking your time? Sounds like you have your next book, Lucy. Um, I've been told there's a bunch of books that I'm supposed to be writing. It's a matter. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know you have like a whole <laughs> gamut of books that you yeah, have. In the exactly. exactly. So yeah. um, what else would you like for us to know about this story? Oh, gosh. Um, well, so as you had mentioned, I was a teacher, as I had mentioned also. Um, I really wanted to write a story that parents could read with their kids. So um, I also wrote it, I was really tired of the, some of the books that are very popular in the eight, nine, 10 genre that um, have words like stupid, hate, suck. And um, because I don't want my kids to use those words, I don't want them to read them. I don't want them watching a show that has those words. So I wrote it very clean with a high vocabulary, but obviously not using words like that. So you could use it as a read aloud to a kindergartner and a first grader, second grader, but then a third and fourth and fifth grader could read it on their own. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also wrote it to have not only a glossary in the back, but have questions to reflect on for each chapter. Because when I was a teacher, parents would say, my child is struggling with reading. What can I do to help them? And the number one way you can help your child with comprehension, vocabulary, fluency, whatever their issue is that they're having in reading is to read aloud to them. Uh -huh. And so that doesn't always necessarily just mean like getting through the page because it's nine o'clock at night and you're an hour past bedtime and they want to read a story. So you're just reading it as fast as you can. It really means reading it with expression to them, stopping when you hit a new word that you know that they haven't really been exposed to and discussing that word, um, discussing what's happening. And a lot of times with parents, that doesn't come naturally. So if you go to the end after each chapter, I have set it all up um, to be foolproof for parents to talk about tricky words that were in there and tricky themes and plot development and character development and all of those things that to make sure your kids are in the book and mm -hmm. that you're in the book too. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully it's helpful. Hopefully it's a helpful tool. Um, and then I had also mentioned that, you know, I put full color illustrations because Kids, I feel like kids get ripped off in the chapter book. They get like maybe yeah. a few illustrations here and there and they're always in black and white. So, um, and I think that's why a lot of kids are gravitating towards graphic novels is because they really want those pictures. So I have a wonderful illustrator that I used. His um, name is David Rivero. He's in Argentina. He did an awesome job. So the pictures are really beautiful and for like a third grader. Um, 
let's see. I think, I think that's, you know, that's, that's the most of it, but it's a really fun, happy, there's a lot that you can pull from it with your kids. I think every child should read it. And I think every adult should read it and there's stuff to learn. Always. And, you know, it's interesting because although your book, you know, my book is considered a children's book. I did have adults who read mine that told me later that they took notes because they could see themselves as the character. And they knew that if they thought differently, they would get different results. Yeah. So, and I think your book is doing the same thing, even though it's about a third grader that becomes a principal, the concept maybe is the principal principal might need to see things from a child's perspective but the child also needs to see it from the principal's perspective and how important his job or her job is being principal yeah. and the fairness um, that goes on, but also maybe that sense of gratitude that says, you know, this is a wonderful and, place to be. And also like how hard it is to be an adult. Like, you know, my kid, my son will go to school and he'll be like, yeah, what are you going to do today, mom? Are you just going to play with Harper and have fun? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, buddy. Like if you only knew the decisions I have to make and, and the things that I have to do all day long. Right. Um, and you know, you don't really want to put the weight of what we have to deal with onto kids. That's why we are parents. We're here to help them through these things and, you know, not dump our load onto them, but um, in a book to give them a snippet of the hard decisions and hard things that adults have to do is a different story. And so hopefully provide some perspective on that as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we do a lot adults do a lot parents do a lot everybody absolutely. does a lot absolutely they do they are forever having to manage whatever it is whether huh? it's finances or uh, squabbling children or yep. interpersonal relationships I mean we're always doing a lot yep yep absolutely yeah and then um the fourth book will be coming out and you had mentioned kids really love to love. So this one is actually all about love. Hmm. It's going to be, so this will be my third picture book. Um, my first book, brave, my second book, feathers from above, um, brave as you know, about nighttime fears and not feeling like you're alone, remembering that God is with you and overcoming them. Feathers from above is about guardian angels and remembering that God is with you and you have angels with you. So this is kind of going to be like the third closing book to I call it the you are not alone series but this one is written really as a love letter from me to my kids but from parents any parent to their child or any spouse to their spouse um and it's all just about exactly what we had said life is hard living is hard adults have a really a lot on our plate so it's about how we as adults and parents feel all the pain and all the hardships and all the stuff that um, our children feel. We are going through it with them and we feel their pain. We feel their sadness. We feel all the hard junky stuff that they're going through. But all of that stuff ends up making a lot of room for the joy and gladness and the other wonderful stuff that we also get to feel with them mm -hmm. and, um, and that they're not alone through any of it. Again, you know, as my son said, like, well, what are you doing at school? And he thinks that he's alone and he has to experience all these things by himself. And meanwhile, I'm off eating bonbons, but 
so it's really to that, you know, that he is going through these hardships, but as he's having a hard time, it really makes things more difficult for me. And as parents, we feel everything they're feeling, but, um, but you know, it's obviously a happy book. Mm -hmm. So that's the fourth one. And I can't wait to do it. It's, uh, it's, it's written, as I said, and it's getting illustrated and it's going to be beautiful. Oh, anxious to see it when it comes out. Thank so you. How can people find you? Cause we are at the end of our show. Um, my website, KathleenDavisBooks.com would be the best way because I love to sign and personalize books and send them with free shipping. Um, you can get Dean's Magical Mix up there for sure, all of them, or on Amazon. Okay. Thank you. Thank um, you. Thanks for being my guest again. And um, everybody, please understand that, um, you know, Kathleen is there. Uh, like you said, she loves to autograph books. So, you know, order uh, directly from her so that she can autograph it and send it off to you and uh, share with anybody that you know that maybe has children that are of reading age or like to be read to. Um, because I do think that I remember wonderful memories with my own son of reading to him for the longest time. So thanks yeah. again for being my guest and for being a wonderful writer. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. And everybody go out there and make this your best life. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.